Good morning and welcome to another episode of Paul Martin's Crucial Conversations. Today, I am so excited to have with us Dan Rutenberg. Dan is the CEO of Spear Physical Therapy and Spear, as many of you know, is a 22 clinic company in the great city of New York. I think our conversation today with Dan is gonna bring out three insights that are integral to be successful in today's market. First, how having a clear vision for the future impacts the decisions that you make now. Second, how the development of a leadership group in your company can be the best decision that you will ever make. And third is how your hiring decisions can be very influenced by that clear vision and what you want to create in the future. So without further ado, let's get into this. Dan, welcome. Thank you, Paul. Terrific to be with you. Great to be with you as well. Look, Dan, your story and Spears' story is a great one. And I've been, I've actually have been so blessed to have known you for all these years and have been able to, you know, kind of be on the side here and watch, watch you just progress to what you've created. You know, it all started back in 1999 on, and with a little clinic in fifth, on 55th Street. Talk to me about, in the very beginning, for you and Dave, what were the goals that you guys had when you first opened back in 1999? You know, back in 99, uh, I was working at Hospital for Special Surgery. Dave was at the Board of Ed. And uh, for me, what I wanted to do was I was learning so much clinically. And uh, it was just, it was a wealth of knowledge at the hospital and just being exposed to the best surgeons in the world and, uh, and really being able to take that model of clinical excellence and apply it to the private practice. My goal was to, uh, to really take that. And uh, if you think about the hospitality feel when you go into your favorite restaurant, I wanted to meld that. So there was that customer experience, five-star customer service paired with that clinical excellence. That was the goal. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, again, when, when you walk into a Spear facility, you feel that hospitality. You, you, you really, you feel it. So that has been brought forward um, from you and Dave from the very beginning. And so fast forward, you know, I met you at a PPS conference. I was speaking. You were in the front row. You were leaning forward and watching intently the entire time. And I knew it right from the beginning. I said, you know, there, there's a guy who was going to succeed. And then we got to meet, you know, in a business meeting in 2005. I believe then it was on your 56th Street office. But you really laid out a vision for Spear. Can you walk us through what that vision was that you laid out? Sure, and, and you're right, especially back in those early days, I would go to PPS and I'd be on the edge of my seat taking notes from every speaker and really trying to be a sponge and learn as much as I could. I, uh, believe it or not, had never worked for another private practice. Wow. And I initially thought that was a disadvantage, uh, but the, the truth is I didn't have any bad habits. Everything that every system and process that I had to put in place, I tried to use my common sense and uh, and really try to craft what I was doing, not take anything for granted. Like it's I do it this way because it's the way I've always done it. 
And then when I got into territory that I that were was more complex or I wanted help with, that's when I started looking to the outside world um, for for help. I didn't have a big brother or family member or mentor really that was in the field. And so I I heard you speak. It was in Colorado. Uh, I remember sitting in the front row, and I just thought you had such a handle on the industry that I just wasn't hearing from other speakers. I was impressed. I think you understood the psychology of the physical therapy world. And I also got the sense that you knew what levers to pull to maximize value. So, you know, there were a number of things that I really, uh, I really learned and putting systems in place that are still there today. Uh, it's, I was never shy of hiring in this case, a great consultant uh, back in those days. And I know we're gonna get into hiring, but the, the vision, I know you asked about the vision and, and it was really initially in those first few years, uh, it, it was just creating a great practice and seeing if we can actually make it work. So our first patient, we actually got, because I, I belonged to the gym Equinox at the time, actually still do. Um, <laughs> creature of habit, I guess. And uh, I saw that an orthopedic surgeon that um, was working at a local hospital was speaking about ski conditioning. Dave's a big skier. I said, Dave, let's go and just talk to him. Now, we had not signed our lease yet, so we didn't even have a space, by the way. <laughs> and I was always this high-tech you know, guy. At least I thought I was. The high-tech thing in 99 was to print your own business cards. So... <laughs> I, uh, I went to Staples, I got this um, template, I put it in my printer, came up with Spear, and I lived on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, Dave lived on the Upper West Side, so I just put our addresses and our phone numbers on these business cards, and then um, brought, brought them to, the, uh, to Equinox. So we hear the doctor speak, we go up to him at the end and um, introduce ourselves, and to our surprise, like he's actually really into meeting us. He's like, this is great. I need to, uh, I, I need some PTs that I can trust. And then he says, do you have any business cards? So I look at Dave and give him a wink and I hand him my business card. Dave hands him his and he holds him up like this. And he's like, this is fantastic. Two locations. We didn't even have a single treatment table to treat somebody. <laughs> in. And uh, anyway, that weekend we got our first referral. Uh, his name was Vito, and uh, he was an architect. I'll never forget him. And uh, and that's really how it all started. We had to scramble and, and get into into that gym, which yeah. we rented space from. Uh, and then uh, that that uh, we, we had we we had a few interesting years uh, where, as we were growing, the gym we were in uh, was getting a little bit um, maybe I'd say resentful of our growth, <laughs> made it a little difficult. Sure. And um, and so probably right before meeting you, uh, we had moved to 56th Street. I still remember the I still remember the um, postcards we sent out to all our patients. We're moving, but just around the corner. <laughs> and uh, and you know, believe it or not, didn't realize how much attention uh, was being sort of sucked out of us and and focused because we weren't in our own space and because we were dealing with really a culture clash with that gym um, and, and the owner there. And when we got into our own space, the first year, our business grew 25% in 
the next year 30%. It was amazing. You don't realize sometimes how much attention and focus is, is really pulling you away. And when you can really focus on what matters, it, it's incredible what happens. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'll tell you what, I'm gonna remind you, because I actually looked back at uh, the plan that you know, we had put together and what your vision was for Spear, but it was you know, pretty aggressive. It was in five years, you were gonna be a six to eight clinic company. And um, so that led to now a 22 clinic company. So I think you were right on track at that three to five year mark, as I recall. Dan, what do you think were two or three of the key decisions or strategies that you executed on along the way to Spear's success? I'll tell you, the, there was an inflection point where we opened up our Chelsea Clinic. And you were at the grand opening for that. We no. had uh, musicians. We had a member of the New York Jets. I mean, we, we threw out the red carpet uh, and had a, had a really great event. Leading up to it, I had a big decision to make about who would be the director of this clinic. And initially, I was looking for these superstar therapists outside of Spear. Um, and I actually offered the, the job to, um, to someone, and, and then they decided they didn't want to leave the hospital setting. I, I remember going to PPS and asking a lot of people this question about, is it hire that external superstar or promote from within? And I came away and I said, all right, I'm going to give this, I'm going to give a shot to someone in my company who has less experience than these superstar PTs, but get our culture and, and sort of grew up in our, in our system. And she was an absolute star. And from that experience, that was clinic number five. From that experience, I said, never again will we ever look to hire from the outside. Yeah. Any position that we can fill, we're going to fill from within. And that led to the creation of our Spear Future Leader Program, which is the I, by far the best thing we do. Uh, we're, in, we're, we're in our uh, eighth cohort right now. It's a year-long program that teaches leadership, management, um, business development, marketing, operations, and financials. It ends in this incredible um, sort of shark tank-like uh, project. And the winner of that project, we fund the, the project. So uh, it's a very exciting time. Uh, it's, it's by far the best thing we do. And every single director of ours has come through that program. So it's enabled us to have a bench of talent and I feel like it's my responsibility to grow, to create opportunities for these eight players that we have that are hungry and ready to lead clinics. So that by far was the best decision we made. Yeah, you know, development of whether it's young um, or more experienced physical therapists to become leaders and managers, I think is you know one of the single greatest things as a business owner in this industry that we can do. And you have obviously taken that to just a, a whole nother level. Um, and I applaud you for that. Um, you know, we, you look now at the level of each one of your directors and it doesn't just happen. 
it, it doesn't just happen. It's again that year-long program, um, the building, the developing, and um, so yeah, I, 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 I applaud you for for continu continuing and staying committed to that, um, really to that discipline. Yeah, so Dan, Dan, you know, a lot of companies out there, they get to that four to seven clinic level. You know, we call it the land of nowhere. <laughs> and, but they, they want to grow to 15 plus clinics someday. That's an aspiration that they have. What advice would you give them on how they can get there? Uh, prepare for success or prepare for pain. And, and I say this because I didn't always prepare for success. Sometimes I was too conservative, actually. Sometimes I, uh, I didn't recognize how quickly we were growing. I, I, I should have uh, expanded our headquarters earlier than I did. I should have brought on actually non-clinical executives earlier than I did. And by not doing that, I put a lot of pressure on myself as the CEO. And so my advice for anyone in that sort of range you're talking about is to anticipate your own success, expect that you will be successful, and prepare for it. And that means, because there will be a point where you run out of hustle. Sure. I'm from Brooklyn, I'm a hustler, I'm always, you know, that was when I played baseball, it was, I was always hustling. That was just who I was. And, and I took all those lessons from sports and applied it to business. But there is a point where you run out of hustle and you just have to surround yourself with great people, which I feel blessed to be uh, surrounded by every day. But it's, a, uh, it's about putting training, time, attention, care into your people. And it's also looking externally for those hires that are maybe positions that, that are more foreign to you. You know, whether it's in the financial department or the HR or marketing and, and not being shy about really just taking a chance, reaching out, um, getting uncomfortable with some of these. You're not an expert, right? Like I'm sure most of these most of our listeners here are very comfortable hiring physical therapists. But when you get into any of these other arenas, it's it's more uncomfortable. And uh, but those are those are the hires that really made a difference as I started getting uh, getting bigger and, and sort of maturing as a as a business. Sure. And Dan, you know, I can remember meeting some of those folks and having the conversations of, you know, this is an individual and whether it was finance or marketing or billing and collections administration, having those conversations with you. And what I think was so impressive was you were seeing forward to what you wanted the company to be in the future. And you said you struggled a little bit early on because you didn't make some of those key hiring decisions for the future. You made it for what was today and what at some point may have been a little more comfortable. Kind of, as you said, hiring from within, which you know with therapists and clinical directors works well. But if you try to take uh, physical therapy aid or somebody at the front desk and make them the director of administrative services, um, that doesn't tend to work in the majority of the cases. So you had that foresight um, to, and that vision of, 
well, if I'm going to create this company that's going to be 15, 20 plus clinics, I have to get the right people. And again, I, I applaud you for making those difficult decisions when financially, those were some tough decisions. You know, those people were not um, coming in at, you know, these were not $15 an hour folks. These were, and in New York City, you know, these were some significant salaries for you. Um, but you really made it work and, and, and what a great job with that. Thanks, Paul. And, and it's not over. Like you're, you're still going through that. And, um, you know, uh, we're hiring a CFO now. Right? And, and so that's another huge investment and, uh, and one that will, uh, you, you're always sort of uh, making sure there's an ROI and preparing the, the platform to triple or quadruple. Like now I, I've learned through the, the pain and suffering to really think big and, and really look into the future about what's possible. So, you know, that's my suggestion to people is, is to do just that. And, uh, you know, not everybody went to get their MBA. It doesn't matter. It's your operators and don't just think that you're going to work harder because that you will, but you will also run out of steam if you don't have a strategy beyond just that hustle. Yeah. Great, great advice. Great advice. So, what about those folks out there with three clinics or less, but they have that same itch, as I described it earlier, that same curiosity that you had over 15 years ago. What advice would you have for them? Well, for the first piece of advice is don't just work in your clinic, work on your clinic, work on your business. Uh, it's, it's very easy to get caught up, especially at that size, with uh, I'm just I'm treating patients. I can't uh, worry about the business side of things. And if you don't make that time, then you won't grow. So make the time. If you're treating a full schedule, uh, well, you're gonna have to treat a full schedule and <laughs> do the visionary work you've got to do, or just cut cut back. It took me a little too long to cut back on my treatment schedule, but I know that push pull how we define ourselves as clinicians and, and hold on to it really tight. But there, is, there, is, there are other things. You know, to me, uh, it's, there's, there's three things. Number one, focus on the clinical product of the entire company. I can't stress how important it is to just be clinically great. Uh, two is at that level, create systems and processes. And, um, and three, define your values, define what's important to you. And then I think if you get those three things right, everything else will follow. Yeah, yeah. So, so Dan, what was the time, if you w w would share with us, that you made the transition from almost completely out of clinical care? Do you remember how many clinics you had at that point? And I remember us working through that transition, but you may have that the, the memory of exactly when that was. Well, it was it was like this slow torture, <laughs> and um, and I still held on for a long time uh, with certain patients. I felt like I couldn't let go of. Yeah. And um, and would still treat my Wednesday seven thirty p.m. patient, uh, this local physician, uh, you know, for for so long. Um, I mean, you, you know, we have the benefit of such great relationships with our patients. Uh, 
sure. So let's see. I have a picture on my wall. My <laughs> son drew. Uh, he drew this picture because he was probably like nine at the time, and he came in as a sort of like as a PT tech for me that day. Yeah. And he thought it was so cool what I was doing, treating patients. That that he actually drew a picture out. Let's see if you can see it up there. Uh, there it is. Like that's oh, yeah. the, that's, oh, yeah. right? that's, the, that's the picture. Um, I wish I had the date on it because he draw he draws that picture and he loves what I do. And then the next time he has off from school, he says, "Dad, can I come back into your into into sphere and and, and work with those patients again?" Yeah, and I had stopped treating. Yeah, <laughs> it was only like three months since then, and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm like I'm such a failure." I, I thought I was a hero, and now I'm I'm just like pushing pencils behind a yeah. desk. <laughs> um, but you know, the the truth is, I love the business side of it. It's very exciting. Um, and and that aspect of what I did, I recognized, was much harder to replace than my clinical abilities. Uh, when was it? I'd say it was probably around eight clinics that I really that I, that I really shifted majorly. And I think, probably from clinic uh, three to eight was that slow slow burn. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I still treat, by the way, I still treat, you know, a bit athletes here and there, not not on an everyday basis. Sure, <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, and, and you've grown your business to a level where you actually now can jump back in and treat a patient or two at times um, because you have systems set up that somewhat run the business. Um, whereas when, you know, you're at that 12th clinic level, you're still <laughs> churning and churning. Um, but yeah, and I remember that. I remember that some of those days when you were, you know, moving yourself out of that uh, clinical role, and it's really hard for many therapists. So, got to ask you this, Dan, and this is our final question: What do you see for the future of Spear? Twenty-two clinics. Um, you know, you've achieved so much. What's what's the future look like for Spear? Uh, look, it's an exciting time. I think. Um, we could talk about growth, but uh, 2020 forced us all to become a digital company. So I consider us a digital company as well and, uh, and have some, I think, some exciting uh, growth opportunities in the telehealth space areas that we feel like we want to innovate into in terms of, of traditional growth. I think we're going to continue to build out uh, New York City and then uh, also see expansion beyond just Metro New York. I think we could be a good uh, a, a good solution for uh, for certain companies that um, that maybe are looking for some support themselves or looking to join something that could become even bigger, uh, which I think is uh, is where we're headed. So uh, you know, it, to me, it's a really exciting time. Um, I feel like we're just getting started, and uh, so that that sort of what got you here won't get you there approach is always fresh. And um, we're always sort of reinventing ourselves and reinventing the resources that we have so that, uh, so that we can continue to, to grow in exciting ways, uh, continue to, uh, to grow into neighboring areas and, um, and really bring opportunities for, for those A players that we have that, that are just so deserving. Awesome, awesome. Dan, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate this. You have been fabulous and so helpful for our listeners. Thanks. And I, um, you know, uh, look forward to having some questions that I will probably be posing to you from our audience.
Uh, it's, it's my pleasure, Paul. I always enjoy our conversation. So thanks again for having me. Yeah. So if any of you out there are, whether it's three clinics or less, or you've gotten to that four to seven clinic level, and you want to know what are the steps to take to catapult and to move your company forward, click below, give me a call, and we can give you Dan's information. I'm sure he would love to talk to you, um, and we can talk to you as well. Thank you, and have a great day.